Well, today we're kicking off a new series, kind of a mini series as we're getting ready to head into the holidays. And there's a phrase that usually gets said around Thanksgiving and around Christmas time in this season. I've even said it myself. We say something like, man, I wish things would just slow down. Like we want to enjoy the holidays. We want to enjoy our family. We want to enjoy a lot of the different things that we do with Christmas and Thanksgiving. And so we wish things would just naturally slow down Yet you know that doesn't happen, right? Like things don't naturally slow down. We as people don't naturally slow down. In fact, we are quite the opposite. We tend to speed up when we have more and more and more to do. And this isn't just a new thing. In fact, if you were to go back to 1904 in Dayton, Ohio, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, so just north of where I grew up, 1904, there was a gentleman that was known as Mr. Myers. And Mr. Myers was in his vehicle, in his car, driving around downtown uh, Dayton, Ohio. Now, he wasn't just driving around downtown Dayton. He was flying around downtown. I mean, he had this car, and he was just blowing through every stop sign they had. He was flying to enjoy his car. Well, as you would probably imagine, he eventually gets pulled over. So Mr. Myers in 1904 in Dayton, Ohio, gets pulled over. The police officer comes up to the side of his car and begins to issue him the very first speeding ticket ever recorded in all the United States. And he gives them this speeding ticket, you ready? For going 12 miles an hour. 12 miles an hour in an eight mile an hour zone. (laughs) So he was way above his speed limit. Way above his speed limit. Now here's here's the real funny part. So he got pulled over, you ready for this one? On a cop on a bicycle, by a bicycle cop pulled this guy over. Mr. Myers is always forever known as the man who received the very first speeding ticket in the United States for going 12 miles an hour. Now, fast forward to this year, 2021. We are on track as a nation to match what our annual averages are for speeding tickets in the United States. 42 million. That's not surprising though, honestly, is it? You're like, man, if they see me drive, yeah, it should be more than that. 42 million is the average number of speeding tickets issued across our country every single year. So I say that to drive the point home that we don't naturally go slow. You rarely have to have to naturally speed up. Typically, we need someone or something to put the brakes on us or else we will continue at a pace that goes faster and faster and faster. Slow is not celebrated in our culture. There's hardly anything in our world today that we celebrate because it goes slow. You don't brag about your slow car. You don't pay more to get slower internet. Now, guys, if you were dating a girl and she comes up to you and says, hey, things are going a little fast, I'd like us to slow down, that's code for I'm breaking up with you, just not right now. (laughs) That's what that means. Slow is not celebrated. We complain about slow. We complain when our waiter or waitress is moving too slow and we're not being taken care of fast enough. We complain about slow traffic when the cars around us are not moving fast enough. We have an issue with pace and with speed. And quite honestly, it's really the reverse of what we think. We think, oh, no, no, we're not going fast enough. And what I want to suggest to you today as we look at God's word is maybe we need to slow down just a little bit. Slow down so that our relationship with God and our faith can actually grow and become more deep. In 
Psalms chapter 46, we're told this. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still. Somebody just needed to hear those two words. <laughs> to be still in this moment. Like Kevin was telling us earlier, to just allow there to be space where we're not constantly moving. God tells us, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. But in order to know who God is, according to this passage here, in order to, to grow in our relationship with him, it requires those two words, to be still, to just be for a little bit, to slow down, to stop, and to just be still. Another way to say it would be this, that we cannot love what we do not linger over. I love that. We cannot truly love what we're not willing to be still for. That we can't truly love what we're not willing to slow down for. Becky and I do regular date nights. And I'll tell you, we, we love spending time together and we love our date nights out. And I'm telling you, we linger to every second we possibly can on those date nights. It's like, what time's the babysitter gotta be home? She'll be okay, we can be a little late. <laughs> We want to linger. We want those moments to last. We want time to slow down because we value that relationship. So back to the phrase that we say every single holiday season, we wish we could slow down. We wish time would slow down. What we're saying is we value the relationships. We value the season. We value the experiences. And we want to just linger with them and in them. We don't want to rush and hurry through them. But that's on us. That's on you and me especially in our faith and our spiritual life and our relationship with God, we have to be willing to linger, to slow down, in God's words, to be still. So the next three weeks, today included, through November, we are gonna focus on just that, being still, slowing down. Now, don't mishear me. This is not a busy talk. We are so busy, we have too many things on our to-do list, so you need to take things off your list. That's not what we're talking about over the next three weeks, because quite honestly, if you're like me, there's really nothing to take off that list. <laughs> like, all those things actually have to get done. We have to go to work, we have kids, we have family, we have to pay the bills. Like, those things have to happen. You're like, well, no, I guess I'm just going to slow down a little bit and not do anything. Doesn't work that way. So don't think of this as a removing. Think of this as slow moving. Can you not understand the difference there? It's not removing things off of your list. Now, sure, there might be some things, but that's a different conversation. You need to work through that personally. So it's not removing everything off your list, but it's being willing to move through that list and move through those relationships and through those environments just a little bit slower. Because when we can move a little bit slower, we're going to see not just our faith, but the relationships around us grow and actually have some depth. So let's pray, and we'll dive into the story about Jesus this morning. God, help us to do what we just read, to be still. Help us to slow down. Help us to stop and hit pause so that we can see what's most important, so that we can linger in your presence and with you. God, our desire is to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationship with you. It's why we wake up early and put everything else on hold for an hour every Sunday. But God, may it go beyond just what we talk about today. May we, may we slow down tomorrow 
May we slow down in some of our other relationships so that we can grow with you and grow with those that you've placed around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. If you've got your Bible, be there. If not, if you don't have a Bible, if you're new around here, make sure you head outside um, next to the t-shirts and all the stuff out there next to the coffee. You'll find a stack of Bibles. That's for you. Grab a Bible. Make sure you have that. Uh, That's yours to take home to use, really, not just to take home, but use, bring back with you so we can study through it together. Uh, Now, again, I said this isn't about being busy because as we go through this story of Jesus, you're going to notice that Jesus is very busy. In fact, Jesus constantly stayed busy. If you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read through the accounts of Jesus, there's always someplace he had to be, someplace he was coming from and going to. There's somebody that needed him, somebody that was asking him of something. Sounds like your day, doesn't it? Somebody always needs something. Somebody always wants something. Somebody's always asking you a question. You always have to be somewhere, go somewhere. So it's not about being busy, but I do want you to pay attention to the pace that Jesus moves and also the pace of which he interacts with people. And we're going to actually see it from the other side on how they did it well and how they didn't do it so well. We'll see both sides. So here's the story. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Pay attention to the pace and specifically how it correlates with gratitude. That's really the theme of this morning. The pace and the speed, but also how it relates to gratitude and being thankful. And we'll see how that grows our faith. Luke 17, verse 11, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, see, he was going from somewhere on his way to Jerusalem, always going somewhere, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, so he's in an in-between spot. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a, this is a very important word, we are going to talk about it a ton, stood at a what? Say it with me. A distance. Remember that. Underline it, highlight it, circle it if you're taking notes. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, and notice what they did. Verse 13, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let's talk about that for a second. Now, what these ten men with leprosy said to Jesus is not surprising whatsoever. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Just to make sure we're on the same page, if you don't know, leprosy, skin disease, not only was it devastating for the individual, but because of the culture they lived in, they also would have been isolated. Thus the word I made you say, distance. That's right. One more time to make sure you got it, or you got it? Yeah, we'll come back to it. I'm a little worried about you, but... It's a big word today. So they would have been isolated from their family and their friends. They would have lost everything that they would have known. The first moment that they realized they had leprosy, they would have been an outcast, separated, isolated from the life that they knew and the life that they had, had hoped for. So here they are at a distance in between these two towns. They're in no man's land, truly on the outskirts. They are considered an outcast. And by this point, News about Jesus, his reputation would have spread even to these 10 men who had leprosy. They had heard the stories of how this man, Jesus, actually healed other people that had leprosy and how he did all these miracles and how he had done amazing things. And so this is like their last hope, their their last resort. And as Jesus is walking by, again, at a distance, they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, help us. Nobody else can help us except you. You truly are our one and only hope. Now, Jesus's response is quite interesting. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. But let's talk about that first part. Jesus responds to them. And typically we might have expected Jesus to to walk towards them 
And another account we have in the Gospels, when somebody had leprosy, Jesus actually got down on his level, touched the man, and healed him. See, we see something throughout the Gospels where Jesus, he does miracles different ways at different times, right? Sometimes he's very close in proximity. Sometimes he touches, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes there's somebody that actually comes on their behalf and Jesus heals them from a distance. So it's not like there's a special formula that says, well, Jesus, if you do it this way, if I pray this way, if Jesus does it like this, then there's a healing or there's a miracle. There is one commonality that we're gonna see. We're gonna talk about that next, but go back to Jesus's first response. Go and show yourselves to the priest. Is there a promise of healing there? Does he say, you will be healed if you go show yourselves to the priest? No. In fact, what Jesus is telling them is nothing new. So what Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest, is a quote from Leviticus chapter 14. If you were to go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 14, that's Old Testament way back here that has the law, there's chapter 14 is specifically what you do. It's follow, the following in instructions for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. That's Leviticus chapter 14. I know riveting reading, isn't it? <laughs> So all Jesus is doing is, says, is saying, well, you know the law. When you get cleansed, you go to the priest. There's nothing new there. And if I'm one of these 10, if you're one of these 10, and Jesus passes by and you're crying out, Jesus, master, please have mercy on us. Help us, heal us. You don't want to hear Jesus quoting from Leviticus. What you want to hear him say is, you are healed. Your faith has made you well. Of course, I will heal you. Ready? Better. You want him to wave his hands and pray to God and say, voila, you're healed. I don't think voila is ever actually, voila is actually in the scriptures. <laughs> That's what we want though, right? That's what we're hoping for. We want him to say something and do something significant and magnificent that allows us to know that we are going to be healed on the spot. None of that happens. Instead, it's Leviticus chapter 14, verse two, go and Show yourselves to the priest. Now, here's the part of his healing, of these men's healing, that does line up across the other healing stories in Scripture. It requires a step of faith. In every instance where Jesus is healing and doing a miracle, there is an element of faith required on the other person. So for Jesus to say, still at a distance, go and show yourselves to the priest. Again, they have not been healed yet. But it says the next part, as they went they were cleansed of their leprosy as they took that step. And then that next step. And why are we going to see the priest again? We're not even healed yet. This doesn't make any sense. What? Oh, Jesus was right. Right? You can imagine how that scene plays out. So oftentimes when we are trying to grow in our faith, we're wanting it to happen fast. We're saying, hurry up, Jesus. So here's these 10 men asking for help to Jesus. And Jesus says, not here, but on your way. And I think some people here today just need to hear that part, that the healing happens on the way, that you got to start taking one step and then another step and then another step, and it's on the way, it's through the journey, it's part of your story, where that's where the miracle happens. What if these 10 men stood there facing Jesus and says, no, we're not going anywhere yet. Like, you do this now. <laughs> My timeline, not your timeline. We're going to wait right here until you heal us, Jesus. They would have missed out, wouldn't they? Instead, it was on their way. His timing, 
not ours, but it does require a step of faith. So there they go. All 10 of them, with faith and obedience, begin to walk to the priests, not knowing why, not knowing how this was going to turn out. Every single step they took was a step of faith and a step of obedience. And as they went, then they were healed and they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 15, here's what happens next. Here's the big part of the story we're going to focus on. Again, pace and gratitude. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. Verse 16, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Now, there's a whole other sermon there on Jews versus Samaritans and the whole history and the culture there. We're not going to go into it. That's great Bible study on your own this week if you want to dig in. Jews, Samaritans, what they did not like about each other and why there's a whole thing there. Bottom line, though, notice the pace and how it changed for one individual. Again, every single step was a step of faith and a step of obedience to follow what Jesus had said. They realized on their way, we're finally healed. What Jesus said was going to happen, happened. Now, one of them stopped, turned around, and went back to where he came went back to where Jesus was. One did that. The other nine kept going. They kept going. Now, we can make some assumptions here because we don't have this part of the story, but we would assume, put yourself in their shoes. First of all, you realized you're healed. You probably pick up your pace. Like this actually happened. So they probably ran at that point to the priests. And then they probably ran home to see their kids, to see their spouse. They ran home to their neighbors. They ran home to the life that they had been isolated from, the life that they were living at a distance. Oh, they hurried to it. And rightfully so. If you had that kind of an experience, being separated and isolated from all that you knew and all that you loved, all the people that you loved, and that was finally fixed in your life, you are running as fast as you can back to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we see something better. Again, pace and gratitude. This one man, when he saw what had happened, he had to slow down, stop, turn around, and go back to Jesus. Here's the bottom line here. Gratitude cannot be quick. It cannot be quick. I would imagine that every single one of those 10, all 10 of them, were extremely thankful, extremely thankful for what Jesus had just done for them. Only one slowed down to express that gratitude. All 10 would have said, thank you, Jesus, you're awesome, I'll talk to you later. Only one slowed down, slowed down enough to stop, turn around, and actually go back. Gratitude cannot be quick. Right? We have to teach this with our kids. Right? Anytime that we want them to say please and thank you, it feels like pulling teeth. Because they're on their way to do something else. They're on their way to the next thing. And we do this in our own life as well. We might spend time praying for something specific, asking God for something specific, trying to work through a specific aspect of our life. And as soon as it happens, whew, glad that's over. On to the next thing. We rarely pause, stop, and not just have the gratitude, but express the gratitude, which is what this man does here. Here's Jesus' response. The other nine continue on, rushing, hurrying to the priests, and then home probably. 
This one man slows down and comes back. He didn't get to his family as fast as the other nine. He didn't get to the priest as fast as the other nine because he slowed down for gratitude. And Jesus' response, verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Talking about him being a Samaritan. Verse 19, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, something we can kind of read between the lines in, on here is it sounds like just with the language, and you can almost pick up Jesus' tone in the writing, it sounds like he's a little disappointed. Do you pick up on that? Like just by the nature of the rhetorical question, like didn't I heal 10? Like I'm, I'm the son of God, I know everything. Like there, there was 10 of you and I know you got healed, but why is only one here? And you imagine the one that's down at Jesus' feet at this point is like, I don't feel like I should answer this question right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Like, what do you do with that? So it's a rhetorical question. He's not looking for a conversation, but you can hear it. Didn't I heal 10 of you? Like, what? why is just one here? Where'd the other nine go? Has no one else returned to give glory to God except one? Hmm. You just hear a little bit of the disappointment in this rhetorical question. Now, let's talk about if that's true. And I know I'm making a little bit of an assumption here, but I think that question, that rhetorical question is in there for a reason. If there is some disappointment in Jesus' tone here, why? Is it because Jesus really values polite, politeness and manners? Is it, well, again, we always tell our kids, please and thank you. They did not come back and say, thank you, shame on them. I don't think it has to do with manners and being respectful, Right? What about obedience? It can't be about obedience because technically the other nine are doing exactly what Jesus commanded them to do. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And they are doing just that. Jesus never said, head towards the priests halfway when you realize what I did. Stop, turn around, come back, thank me, and then go back to the priests. Jesus never gives an explicit command to come back. So it's not a lack of obedience. What is it then? Here's what I think, and I'm going to give this with a disclaimer. This is what Brian thinks, and I could totally be wrong on this. I think it's because of what Jesus knows, knows what happens when we have gratitude in a relationship. Let me say it a different way. I would say that the level of expressed gratitude impacts the depth of a relationship. Here's how I believe that to be true. If I never one time expressed my gratitude to my wife, would we have a better or worse relationship? Much worse. <laughs> Which you're awesome, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> guys, that was your hint. That was your moment. Say thank you. Some guys got that. Good. Yeah, you've been around a lot longer. <laughs> what happens when someone never appreciates you? You go to work and your boss never once says thank you. Do you have a better or worse relationship because of the lack of expressed gratitude? Worse. <laughs> Much worse, right? We can all relate to that. So our relationships, our relationships and the depth of those relationships are impacted on some level by the level of expressed gratitude. That's why Jesus says here, has no one returned to give glory to God? Did nobody stop long enough to say thanks to the God that made this happen? He's like, there's a deeper relationship here, and nine missed it, and one got it. 
Let me take this a step further because there's something very valuable here that I don't want you to miss. So all 10, we said it before, all 10 most definitely would have been, would have been grateful. Every single one of those 10 would have been very, very thankful because of the healing that just took place. Yet one of them experienced much more than the other nine. Did you catch that? The one, look at this. In verse 17, when Jesus is having this conversation right before that, it says that this one man came to Jesus, praising God, fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. What was the big word I told you to say earlier? Distance. So all 10 of them started out at a distance from Jesus, physically at a distance. When they were healed, nine of them kept going. One came back and was physically so close he was at Jesus' feet. There is a physical closeness, a spiritual closeness that happened in this story that I think translates to our lives as well. All 10 were thankful. All 10 were healed, but one experienced Jesus much closer. So let's make that relevant for today. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we have so much to be thankful for. We are all healed spiritually. We have all been saved by the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. So we, like all the 10, we have a lot to be thankful for, and we are all grateful. However, if you've ever said to yourself, yeah, but I just don't feel close to Jesus. I don't feel close like the other person. Do they have, do they have something I don't? Do they get more saved than me? No. I would venture to guess, if we looked at that other person's life, they walk back to Jesus and fall at his feet a little bit more. They're closer. Slowing down for gratitude allows you to be closer to Jesus, something the one received and experienced that the other nine did not. They were all grateful, but one was closer to Jesus. Notice the encounter. Jesus spoke words to this one man that the other nine never heard because he came back, slowed down, expressed his gratitude. He had he had an encounter with Jesus, an interaction with Jesus that none of those other ones experienced. Could you imagine in town later on, all 10 were together, man, that was nuts. Like, can you believe this? Yeah. And then one said, yeah. And then when Jesus said, oh, just kidding, you weren't there for that. Hashtag had to be there. <laughs> when we slow down and express our gratitude to God, we get to hear things from him that no one else is going to hear because they're moved on to the next thing. Don't miss what gratitude will do. It requires us to slow down, but it also gives us an encounter with Jesus that other people did not have. He spent more time with Jesus, heard Jesus speak more words, was physically closer to Jesus. So I'm going to tell you a couple things that are, are not going to like shock you, right? These aren't going to be like new things, but I'm hoping it will be helpful. So here's the first one. Like we've been saying, slowing down for gratitude will deepen your faith. It will just do that. It will deepen your faith. Like this one man that came back, slowing down for gratitude allowed his faith to grow a little bit deeper. It allowed him to grow with Jesus a little bit deeper. It allowed him to experience Jesus on a deeper level than the other nine. The second one that I would say to you is slow down long enough so that you can actually see what you need to be thankful for. Like it allows us to actually see, right? When, when we're moving too fast, guess what happens? We miss out on it because we don't always see it. So slow down, just like these 10. All 10 recognized that they were healed. And again, I would say all 10 were grateful, but only one slowed down to come back. So slow down long enough so you can actually take inventory. Stop long enough. God, what have you put around me? Who have you put around me? What have you done in my life? 
so that I can be grateful and I can be thankful. Slow down so that you can actually see what you have to be thankful for. Here's the third one. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. Slow down so that you can express your gratitude. Slow down to express your gratitude. Again, all 10 were thankful. Only one slowed down to express it. Here's the best way for me to explain this one. Um, you know, like when you're driving and there's, you're needing to get over, right? And you're merging or you're at, a st- you're at a stop sign. There's a bunch of traffic that's not moving fast enough for you. You can harp on traffic all day long. And finally, just this saint of a person lets you over. And so they give you the wave, the little, yep, come on over. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. I was waiting here forever. And you're like crying and everything. And so then you finally move over. What do you do in gratitude with your gratitude? Yes, yes, you do one of these. All five fingers, make sure you're clear on that one. You do one of these. Because they let you in. You're like, thank you so much. And what's great is the other person can't see your face. And so you're over here like this, and you're just the best person in the world. Everybody else is so mean, but you're the nicest person out of the entire life. So you give them the wave that's like, oh, thank you, right? You slow down long enough to pause and actually just do a wave. It's a simple wave. And you don't think it's a big deal until you're on the other side of that. When you're the person that says, come on over, and that person comes on and just keeps driving, you're like, oh, no, you did not. Well, so you start riding their tail and you're just like, I let you in. Give me my wave. You ungrateful person. (laughs) We want that, don't we? We want to have gratitude expressed. Don't you think our heavenly father wants it to be expressed to him as well? That we would slow down long enough to express our gratitude, to say thank you. Let me give you a few very practical, and again, nothing new in ways to do this. Spiritually speaking, in your relationship with God, write down what you're thankful for. All right, just start a list. You're not gonna go through everything in one day. Spend one minute, the beginning of your day. Thank you for this. Thank you for this person. Thank you for how you answered this. Thank you for this in my life. Thank you. Just go through some thank yous, and then do it again the next day. Add to the list, and just keep adding to the list. In your prayers, don't miss the thankfulness part. When I meet with people in a one-on-one environment where they're struggling and they're going through some very heavy things in life, you know where we start in that conversation? Is, hey, I hear what you're saying. I hear where you're at. We're going to talk a lot about it because it's a big deal. Tell me what you're thankful for right now. No, no, you don't understand. Like, I was like, no, I get that. And that is a, it's devastating. But what are you thankful for? Begin with a posture of gratitude. It doesn't minimize the devastation. It doesn't minimize the difficulty. But you start with a posture of gratitude because there's always something we can be thankful for. And if you're in a place in your life where you're like, I don't have anything to be thankful for, we just sang about it in the last song. We can be thankful for the cross. At the very end of the day, the most important thing that we could ever express our gratitude for is what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. So if you don't have anything else to be thankful for, start there. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, thank you for not holding my sins against me. Jesus, thank you for loving me regardless of what you know I've done. And I bet, I bet, the Holy Spirit's gonna keep moving in your heart and you're gonna find more and more and more you're grateful for. But you start there. Let's talk about our relationships around us because again, the level of expressed gratitude does impact the depth of our relationships. So we say thank you to one another. Here's a great way to do this. I talked about our wallet needs out there in the lobby a second ago. Um, We added something new this year, and these are thank you cards. 
So there's a bunch of things um, out there. there to, this one's to the Dawson County Sheriff's Office. There's uh, cards to the Board of Education building so that our teachers and uh, school staff get these. Uh, it's to all eight fire stations. There's a bunch of them out there, hospitals and urgent cares. Um, and it really only costs you one thing to do this. It's already stamped, so it's not going to cost you anything financially. It's already addressed, so it's not going to cost your research time to figure out what the address is. It's literally just your time to write two sentences. Thank you for serving our community. Thank you for putting yourself or putting others above yourself. So would you be willing to do some kind of a thank you card to express your gratitude? But it is going to cost you your time, and it's going to require you to slow down. Nobody wants to, ah, thank you, you're great. Okay, I'll talk to you later. No, what do we want? We want, hey, let me tell you what I'm thankful for. Let me tell you specifically what you did that I'm grateful for. And it's going to require you to slow down. Because the level of expressed gratitude most certainly will impact the depth of our relationships with others and with God. My oldest son especially, all my kids love animals, which is why we still have a dog, um, but they love animals. My oldest especially, I mean, he's got the Ranger Rick magazines and watches wild crafts, like the whole thing, and he teaches us all kinds about animals. Um, so anytime I have an illustration about an animal, I talk to my son, like, hey, this is right, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, Dad, and he tells me all the other things about it. So there's a lizard called the Jesus Lizard, if you didn't know this. Here's what the Jesus Lizard looks like. You can understand why they call it the Jesus Lizard, right? This lizard can actually walk on water. Well, not technically walk on water. He actually runs on water. And the reason is because when you take into like uh, the weight of this lizard's body and then the, the, his feet on how they're webbed, it allows for air bubbles to be under. But as long as this lizard runs fast and keeps a very fast pace, this lizard, lizard truly can run across water and never sinks down. This lizard will stay on the surface. And so often I, I look at the Jesus lizard and I think, well, we want to be like that. We want to be able to get from point A to point B, even if it's across water, as fast as we possibly can. And so we just blow through life and we blow by people and we just go as fast as we, as fast as we can. But as your pastor, do you know what I desire for you? Is not to stay on the surface of relationships and to stay on the surface of your faith. As long as the lizard goes fast, the Jesus lizard stays on the surface. What happens when the Jesus lizard slows down? He's not like Jesus. What happens? He sinks. And that's what I want for you. I want you to sink into God's presence. I want you to grow deeper in your faith and in your relationship with others. And as long as you're moving fast, you will always stay on the surface. When you slow down, you will be able to grow a little deeper. It's been said that speed is the enemy of depth, and I completely agree. So let me say that to you a little bit differently. Would you be willing to move a little slower so you can grow a little deeper? Move a little slower so you can grow a little deeper in your faith, so you can grow a little deeper in your relationship with Jesus, so you can grow a little bit deeper in your marriage. You can grow a little bit deeper with your kids. You can grow a little bit deeper, but it's gonna require you to have to slow down just a little bit. Here's how we're gonna end this morning. I'm gonna put a, a passage in almost an entire chapter on the screen for you. Uh, Psalm chapter 111, 111. And I wanna give you a moment in, in just a second to just read through that on your own and to have a slow down moment between you and the Lord. To slow down enough so that as you read through this, you're gonna find all kinds of things to be thankful for. 
Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. How amazing are the deeds. Everything he does reveals his glory. How gracious and merciful. He always remembers his covenant, meaning he always keeps his promises. He's shown his great power. All he does is just and good. They are forever true. And here's the last one that's most important. Last line, second to last line. He has paid, he has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant, his promise with us forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Would you be willing to slow down for a few moments before we sing, before we do anything else, before you rush out of here? Slow down and just be thankful.